Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Hello and welcome to The Grange Point. My name's Lachlan. I'm Camille. I'm Lauren. This is part two of our Big Challenges special, where we find out what exactly we can do to cope with the massive changes in our climate, whether or not evolution can play a part, how we find it has dealt with mass extinctions in the past, whether or not geoengineering is really a possibility for us to consider. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. So this week we're going to be talking in a series of discussion points around some of the big issues facing science and, in fact, the planet. And we're going to take each of these big challenges or big issues, and we're going to discuss solutions to them, later scientific research about them, and then actually further explore this issue in detail. And we're going to be looking at this week at how we can adapt to the planet changing, how we can adapt to genetic engineering and cloning, how we can feed our planet, and how we can deal with leaving our planet, maybe permanently. about ways in which we can feed the planet, but it also gets into some interesting questions about how we can adapt to changes in our environment and changes that occur in our planet. So Camille's going to look at some interesting issues and challenges around this. Yes, so one big problem, I don't think it's too disputable these days, is the fact that our climate is changing. Um, So one issue is that it's actually rising pretty rapidly. Um, compared to some previous climate changes we've seen in the past. And I think it's important to kind of understand what happened during those times to get a feel for what might happen in the future. So um, I think back 251 million years ago, um, one giant mass extinction happened where we lost 90 to 95% of um, animal life in the seas, um, about... 65 to 70% on land. Um, However, although there were multiple factors to this, one thing that did happen was that there was a climate increase during the lead up to that. So there was a climate increase of about six degrees over a very short period of time, I think about four million years, which is very short in geological terms. Um, So we have to remember here, we're talking about what, how many million years ago? Um, 251. Right, so 251 million years ago, and then we're in the world of geological timescales, which is really it, big numbers, but it's things something like yeah, a it's couple million years short. can be pretty short in the same context. Exactly. If you keep in mind how long it takes continents to move anywhere, it's a very short period of time. Yeah, like one continent might move like three, um, three centimetres a year. Like, it just varies. Um, So geological time just runs on a very, very long time scale. So this isn't too long. In fact, this is really short. Um, And so what happened is you had a kind of greenhouse effect happening um, where that you had the ocean surfaces really increasing in temperature. And so that stuffed up the whole flow of um, oxygenating deeper parts of the ocean. Now, we as well as other animals, have an issue of trying to regulate our own temperature. So um, a lot of shallow marine animals, so 
they really need kind of that steady temperature range. And so by not having that circulation of colder oceans, um, it gets too hot for them. So you might have seen some coral bleaching if you've ever been up towards um, the Northern Territory in Queensland and that kind of area. Um, so that can be one huge issue because the thing with environments and ecosystems is that if you affect one part of the ecosystem, it can drastically change how the rest works. So whilst you had these, um, these waters heating up, you also were losing a lot of oxygen in the ocean. So, so why is oxygen in the ocean important? What does that do? It's pretty much, you know how most animals require oxygen to live? Yes. Um, by having oxygen in the ocean, although they don't breathe it in like us, they have gills or different other ways of oxygenating themselves. So by having oxygen in the oceans, life can live there. Right, so we're talking not not specifically about H2O, which is water, yeah, water. by the definition. We're talking about dissolved oxygen bubbles, yes. O2, in, O2 in or whatever, water. In, in the water itself. Yeah, so... Because obviously oxygen is in water. You can't have yeah. water without having oxygen, but we're talking free oxygen. Yeah, so if you have your plants dying because it's too hot in the water because it's not circulating enough, you're losing that oxygen that it would be putting back into the water. And so you end up with a very anoxic, so an oxygen depleted environment. So once you lose all of the creatures in your sea, mm. that stuffs up a lot of other cycles in terms of um, bringing that oxygen back onto the land because that's right, a part so the, of a water cycle. Right, so the, the water that exists in the oceans itself, that doesn't just stay there. It's not yeah. like we can go, that's okay, ocean, you don't need to have any oxygen, I'm just going to stay on Earth, but there's plenty of air yeah. breeze. No, it's actually a very important cycle that allows um, animals and different plants on the terrestrial, so your dry land, yeah. to survive. So once you lose this important ecosystem, it stuffs up the rest of them and you end up with a very bare landscape. And you know how we were saying four million years was a short amount of time for yeah. six degrees? It's our temperature at the moment is actually increasing even faster than it was at this state. And we lost 90 to 95% of our ocean life and 65 to 70%. Okay, so you're saying last time there was a massive increase in temperature, basically it rips all the oxygen out of the sea, yeah. it destroys one part of the ecosystem, which then destroys the whole cycle of life and stuff like yes. that, mass distinction. And you're saying that now that temperature increases even more dramatic, and so some bad stuff's probably gonna happen? Yes, um, I can definitely say if we don't try and figure out a way to stop this increase, we're, um, it's currently thought that we're in the sixth mass extinction. So there's previously been five mass extinctions. And one thing about mass extinctions is you lose so many different body plants and different animal lives. Like, the mass extinction I was talking about before, you had nine in ten species just going. Like, there was nothing left after that. And that would destroy the ecosystem and the eco-web after that. Yeah. And we don't just survive on being cool humans. We, <laughs> we generally require life in other forms other than humans. And, and even if you take a really mundane example, so say we like 
wheat or plants or crops that we eat and you can say yes well we eat that thing directly so we obviously need wheat to grow but if we need things to pollinate our crops we need bees we need our bees yeah which <laughs> has been an issue yeah so it, there's a lot of other flow and effects in the ecosystem so it's not just a matter of saying okay well we'll have humans and we'll keep some cows yeah. and we'll keep some wheat and rice and we'll be fine so what you're saying is we can't just know this no we cannot just know this because Everything works in a balance. You lose one thing, everything else is affected. You may not think so to start off with, but over time it does become apparent what kind of effects this can have. As well as this, um, if you lose this kind of biodiversity in like the mass extinctions, um, what they usually find is the bounce back in getting like the same amount of diversity takes over a hundred million years. Right, wow, that's a, that's a long time. So, like, you can lose so much in a short amount of time. That's, and yeah, then... that's, a, that's, a, that's a 4 to 100 ratio there. Well, <laughs> the extinction took 4 million years, the bounce back took 100 million years. Yeah, it takes a long time for animal and plant life to recover from um, events like this. It's just not a quick fix because although you do lose a lot, you have some that stay throughout the... Um, extinction boundaries and so that's kind of how we've ended up with animal life now so you know how all the dinosaurs died out at some stage no no <laughs> and but avian type reptiles survive. managed to survive um and crocodiles and crocodiles and sharks yeah i know these ones <laughs> so some body plans did actually manage to survive but they survived with tiny like smaller scale ones as well as a refugio effect so that they could hide from all the kinds of chaos. Right, um, that's really interesting. So you mentioned refugio and how animals use that basically to make themselves alive, stay alive in the chaos that was occurring. So what exactly did creatures and animals and plants and everything do to survive these mass extinctions? Well, so once these kinds of um, things happened you had your smaller type species that could survive harsher conditions that needed probably less oxygen than others that didn't require to fight for food and the scarcity and like sometimes you'll have your ice ages so those that had um like more body mass body mass or being able to retain heat manage to make it through those times so they adapt by yeah, growing different parts or like hard parts like shells and stuff became a really big thing in some animals. Really? I, I find it quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, so they had like some kind of body armor when it came around that you had predator-prey interactions. And so by making it through this boundaries, the ones that survived were the ones that were able to utilize the kinds of environments they were in um for food and resources and general living so from there you get your evolution theory so where you get different changes happening due to like a demand in your environment and so in this case we actually had a, a mass extinction so a set of circumstances um whether it be deoxygenation de of the ox of the oceans or uh change in ocean temperatures or loss of ocean currents and recirculation has caused the environment to change this over say a four million year period and then the animals and creatures and plants then adapt and evolve to actually 
prosper and thrive or die yeah. and that takes about a hundred million years again to get back to the same level of diversity in the number of species that we had previously yeah because although you have a kind of all-around effect around the globe you're still going to have different environments and so the ones that are able to fill that niche are able to survive so that if we do want to be able to manage survival is i guess making sure everything else survives with us What about geoengineering, changing the planet to uh, to accommodate the changes that we're seeing? No. <laughs> no. Um, it'd be a very wide-scale thing, and I think it can just have disruptions in terms of animal behaviour mm. as well as um, plants, because obviously you have your different genetically modified crops and whatever, mm. what have you. Um, but... Even if, even if you change, say, like an ocean current and put in big turbine fans to force force the ocean's current to recirculate yeah. because the pattern had stopped occurring, we wouldn't know necessarily the impact that that would have on the yeah. environment or the ecosystem. Because when it comes to dealing with the ecosystem, not everything is a simple, straight case. What they could affect a giant fan that we put into the oceans to stimulate the current and the circulation of oxygen and the dissolving of oxygen may actually disrupt the krill and the feeding patterns, which then goes on to affect the filter feeders. The things that eat krill, like whales or fish or microbes or anything else, in this very complex food web that we have. So it's not like we can simply undertake one change to fix an isolated problem, because the Earth, and also all the creatures inside it, as Camille described before, don't exactly behave completely independently. So we may try and fix the ocean currents, but we might find that even just the noise that we produce from doing that is causing unknown and damaging effects on other creatures. So even if we were to put things into the ocean to change it or into the air to fix it, we may actually end up being causing more damage that we don't know the effects of to go with the damage that we're already trying to fix. So it's a bit like sending in a cat to eat the bird to eat the spider. Each time you're introducing potentially more things that could cause more damage into the system that you don't know the full impact of at the time until you do it. So as amazing as geoengineering might be, it does require consideration of a lot of complex challenges and issues that you might face because the ecosystem is not a simple straight case that we can fix. So we've talked about how the Earth has gone through many, many extinctions before in the past, mass extinctions, and how finely tuned our climate is to encourage and let life thrive. And when we've undergone mass extinctions in the past, just how long it has taken, a 200 to 1, 400 to 1 ratio of time in geological timescales, so hundreds of millions of years, to get the diversity of species back to the level they once were. Which means that even the small changes that we're seeing in our climate right now, and even the even if species do die off, like they're dying off currently, or die off even more dramatically when the climate and changes to it get more and more severe, it means that it will take our Earth a long time to evolve to cope with it. Now, it might do that and evolve some fantastic adaptions that make sense of this new world that it lives in, but it will probably do that in a hundred million years, and it's not safe to say that us humans will still be there to see that, for after all, We've only really been around as a species for around 40,000, 60,000 years. So we can't compete with the, claim, the changes on the planet Earth and evolution on those massive timescales.
This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Grange Point. Our planet has an amazing ability to adapt, to change in the climate, and to evolve with species to fill the gaps left after massive extinctions. But unfortunately, it takes hundreds of millions of years to do so. So beyond the realm of human capability. Our ending theme was composed by Audionatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.